and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, October 26th, 2012. This week, we've got another special late night episode for you, and it's all about tools. We talk about EC2, uh, the future of Markdown and related technologies, MySQL Workbench, SQL Pro, oh, what else? Central Architect, Backbones and Studio, Geek Tool, Confabulator, and at one point we even bring up Xyrite. Remember Xyrite? <laughs> My condolences go out to you. So please sit back, relax, and prepare yourself. The Niche Podcast is next. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Just before this, I was listening to book six or seven of the uh Dresden files and it's a it's a heavy vampire episode yeah a couple of them are yeah so i'm, I'm very much in vampire mood which is perfect because halloween is approaching fast yes it is and Dresden does vampires better than a lot of books do vampires totally agree totally agree i read the Anne rice stuff years ago the the dresden files are just awesome with vampires yeah there's like different kinds they all do different like they have different powers and weaknesses it's awesome they'll they'll hate each other different clans and yeah yeah so this is a big white court black court book yeah i remember that yeah so i'm very much in the vampire mood and dear listener it's the middle of the night yes it is once again, we're starting at quarter after 11. Yep. PM, of course. And that is uh, because it's been a totally insane week. And yes. And if, if not now, then when? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a sign of some extreme dedication on our part because I know both of us would rather probably be in bed right now. <laughs> yeah, you can say that again. So what are yeah. you going to do? Yeah, you're you're finishing up a long day, and I'm actually just about to start a long night. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got some work I need to do tonight, and it's uh, it's over over a, a VPN that's quite a ways away, and I just get much better connection speeds to it at night when no one else is using the network. So. All right. Yeah. Well. Good luck with that. I. I <laughs> that was me last night. Last night I was uh, well beyond my capacity to see straight, and I was just fighting with this programming that uh i i just had to i had to finish i had to figure it out like i could not yeah. sleep unless i figured it out and finally at like four thirty a.m i finally you know <laughs> got to the point where i could send it off to the client and uh and hit the sack yeah it's 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 like rails rumble all over again <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah it's been a crazy week um started off with uh uh, the Monday of all, a classic Monday. I think it was Monday, wasn't it? Yeah, when, it was. Uh, like, oh, guess what? The internet's down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was the part of the internet that hosts our things. <laughs> yep. Some personal things, some some project things, and, uh, oh, and Heroku, and Reddit, and uh, a few other things. Yeah. So, in case you missed it, uh, a, the, the U.S. East... Uh, Virginia availability zone of Amazon's EC2 uh, went down, and it went down hard because 
I didn't follow it super closely um, when it came back up because I actually it got a little confusing. I suppose we'll talk about it, but um, it it was down for at least eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There were there were parts of it that were down almost twenty four hours, or down, or at least had you know less than optimal performance mm. for a, probably about twenty four hour period. Yeah. Did they ever? I I, I just noticed a tweet. Of, you know, like Amazon claims claims responsibility and uh, sorry anonymous claims responsibility and amazon goes says baloney you know i i would be surprised if it was a denial of service attack i i tend to believe amazon on this one i don't think they've said what the problem is but i i I would be amazed if it was you know a denial of service attack right i remember there was a time that wordpress.com has a, a massive number of websites hosted and i remember uh, that one particular site was one particular WordPress blog site was getting DDoSed and it was actually causing problems for the entire WordPress <laughs> uh, ecosystem. But I that just can't ha- I can't see that happening way Amazon set up. No. So that would be so. I, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, presumably that they're they're reasonably transparent, not not record breaking transparency. But I wouldn't be surprised if they explained what happened. Yeah, yeah. At, at least on some level, I'm sure there'll be some kind of. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. we might not get all the little details, but. Right, and so the the we had you know my personal site JonathanStark.com is on that specific availability zone, as was uh, the the as is the well was the niche website. <laughs> They're now in a different zone because the two times that I'm aware of it, uh, EC2 going down, it was both times the same zone. Yeah, I think that was their original data center. So uh, I would, if I were guessing, I would say it's probably running some older hardware than the other mm-hmm. zones. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, and and shame on me for not having um, a, a more recent backup of the niche site. I had a very recent backup of uh, JonathanStark.com. So within like uh, within, I had it up and running in another on another machine faster than the DNS could propagate. Uh, so that yeah. was cool, uh, but then I had to. <laughs> the thing, <laughs> the thing that I didn't have a copy of was my um, HT access file because I had done a ton of work on that when I migrated my blog over. Oh right. And the the vast majority of time uh, I, I spent working on the site, getting it back up to where it should be, was um, w- was just redoing my HD access file, which made me feel really stupid for bothering with it in the first place. I should have just had regular URLs with like .php on the end and not worried about it. But, but, oh no, I had to be fancy. <laughs> um, so, oh, well. so there was that. And the only other thing was like my PHP configuration was slightly different. So I, I, um, you know, like, like warnings, uh, what the heck was that? Uh, my, uh, oh, you know, it, actually it was a, what the heck was it? It was something related to HT access that that was causing all the problems. Because what I did was I went in and I couldn't get. So here was this was kind of interesting. Another problem mm-hmm. went with um, with EC2 being down was that I couldn't get access to our AMI because we have a we have a, a machine image set up that is like what all of these machines are running. You know the configuration that all these right. sites are running on, but I couldn't get it. So yeah, yeah, because I I tried accessing it too. Right. So then I was like, man, you know what? I'm just gonna do. I said, forget it. I'm just going to use the, um, uh, for the sites I need it there. I'm like, I'm, I'm old school. I'm not, I haven't, uh, ever gotten with, I keep on trying, but I, I still haven't, I'm still on uh lamp basically keep on trying to 
get comfortable with uh, Nginx and all the cooler stuff, but but all my personal stuff is all PHP, and uh, and uh, so I just did. There's like a a basic micro Amazon web service, like AWS Linux instance, mm-hmm. and it's like the default one. I was just like bang, put that in, and it's like boom up, yum yeah. install PHP MySQL, and I didn't even need MySQL because we've got an RDS machine going now, but. So just like boom, 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 done. Yeah. And uh, seriously, it took me way longer to edit my HTXS file than it did to get a new server up and running in another part of the country, and then and uh, and uploading my files to it. That was the other thing that took took time. Yeah, isn't that that's kind of amazing how quickly how quickly you can potentially recover from something like that? And I had I had sort of the same thing. I I didn't bother with my own instance because I was too busy scrambling with to get some things back up for some clients. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we ran into, ran into some issues where we had, we had instances up and ready to go relatively quickly, but getting the DNS updated was going to take some time. Yeah. And of course, since they were in a different availability zone, we couldn't just reassign the elastic IP because you can't, you can't use elastic IP across multiple availability zones. Oh, right. Yeah. That was, this was the first time I've used another availability zone and it's, it's, it's a totally separate interface. Like you, yeah. you switch. That surprised me, right? It surprised you too, huh? Yeah, I did. I did. I thought I would be able to use the Elastic IP across, you know, and across another zone, and and just reassign it to that new instance. But it turns out it looks like what we're gonna what we're gonna have to do um, is that we're gonna set up a load balancer mm-hmm. using Elastic Load Balancer because that that can span across multiple zones. Right. So you just point your DNS at that thing, and then it it just deals with it. Right. So that's, and that's, the, that's, and it's, I saw the, the email from the, you sent to the client today. It's like super cheap, you know, yeah. and for a site like that, that actually does get a lot of traffic. It's not like it gets tons of traffic. It's not like a, a my, you know, like the niche site, you know, it's like a hundred requests a day or something. No, no, <laughs> whatever, it gets, whatever it is. Yeah. It, it gets get, a lot. It gets pummeled. But so it, yeah. a couple of things that uh, that I was really so now I've migrated my site now twice in one month, mm-hmm. and uh, you know because I I finally got off GoDaddy because I just couldn't take it anymore, and uh, so I moved everything over and because my site got hacked. I think I told that story in a previous episode. So I moved everything over and uh, and I got off of WordPress on my blog and I switched over to Margo. So that meant that my entire blog is just sta- it's like a, f- a couple hundred, a few hundred static Markdown files. Right. And so my, my, uh, I, my site doesn't have, it's funny. My personal site has zero JavaScript and zero database. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. It could just be, I could have the whole thing in GitHub and just. <laughs> yeah. You I, can publish it as a GitHub, pa- GitHub pages. Yeah. I could host it at S3. Yeah. That's, um, you know, I have, you could put it on the Heroku free tier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got so many options. You see how awesome yeah. it is to have yeah, no database. Yeah, it is. It is. I have a little bit of JavaScript on my site, but other other than that, yeah, it's the same. Mm. I mean, I, well, I have a blog on Tumblr, but I could easily move it to you know, something something like like Margo, or, or or I'd probably use you know Fargo, my Ruby implementation. Right, right. That I stole from you. <laughs> hey, it's called forking. So it, the, I mean, I guess I have a million. I had a million thoughts about this. One was that uh, is that I love blogging in Markdown and I haven't been blogging like gangbusters, but considering how busy I've been, I actually have been blogging. Yeah. And I noticed it's that. Amazing. I mean, that is amazing. 
And it has everything to do with the fact that I'd rather, I just want to be in my text editor, my comfy little text editor that I'm always in. And I don't want to, I just have a thought. I pop open a new window in the app I'm already in, bup, 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 outline it, link, and then I get addicted to it. Then I'm like, oh, I, I might as well flesh this out. I'm practically done. And then boom, the next thing you know, there's a blog post. Yeah. And to me, to me, it's much easier to just, I'm already there. I'm writing, go to the command line, commit to a repository and push and, and it's published rather than to you know, upload something or log into some kind of CMS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'll just keep a file on my desktop that's like a, an ongoing blog post and just be like, you know, I'll get to this. And it's sitting in my, de- my I keep my desktop pretty clean. Yeah. So if it's sitting there, it's like nagging at me. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah, so it, it really, it makes, it's stupid. I mean, it's such a small thing. You know, it's, it's, I could have done that before and just copy and pasted it out of the text document into the WordPress CMS like interface, but you just, you don't. There's like a mess with stuff and pick things and set buttons and, submit it and then preview it formatting gets all messed up yeah it's like it's just enough it's just enough annoyance (laughs) and so it it makes a difference um but uh, uh, so anyway so that was one thing that i was like i was super glad that that was the case i didn't have to worry about the database for my site but i have a projects section a secure section of my site that does use mysql for uh client work and like if I'm working on an API or something I've got I do so I do have a database on my web server it's just I just don't use it for my site Uh, so I did have to I would have had to if this was last week or two weeks ago I would have had to also recreate the database server migrate the data and go through all that but I had just switched over to RDS yes we we did a very similar thing with our our client and i tell you it really it saved us a ton of time and it potentially saved us a ton of data loss as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's like so great to have your components out across different different i mean they're not machines per se but you know what i mean yeah it's like to have the have a machine dedicated to a particular thing it's kind of like an email server like you don't want to really be sending email off like using php malfunction off your web server <laughs> you want to connect to an smtv server and and connect to a machine that for that you know and uh and you know s3 never went down i have all the all the podcast episodes were in s3 so i just did a blog post on my site once i got it back up and said hey if you know, if you're looking for episodes, here are the direct links to the S3 files. It's like, it's cool to have it distributed across because when, when something goes down, um, it's not going to be everything. Yeah. You know, and you can get access to some stuff anyway and still kind of like hobble along until it comes back. Yeah, actually, I'd, I'd been thinking about setting up some RDS instances for some of my some of my things. I, I don't use it for my own site, but I have a few other just personal projects that I, I run you know, that I, I run and manage that use MySQL databases. And, you know, I've been sitting there going the whole time, well, you know, is it worth the added expense when I'm not really using a ton of resources so I could do it on one, you know, on one EC2 instance? Like, you know, is it worth it? Well, but after this, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely. Yeah, totally. Definitely worth it. Yeah, and I, like, the thing with me is it's just that, that initial setup of getting my SQL, SQL set up every time, it's like, it's not that bad, but it's bad enough that I'm like, oh God, I can't, I haven't done this in a year. I haven't set up one of these yeah. things in two years maybe. And I got to Google around and the site that I did it off of last time, I can't find that page. And I don't know if the new page I found is like the right instructions. And, you know, with, yeah. with RDS, it's just like bang, it's up. And uh, it's just, 
it's just so easy. It's like so easy. You can't, it's like you can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, uh, for me, installing and configuring MySQL got a lot easier uh, when I stopped using PHP my admin because then, then I didn't have to remember and fool with how to install it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's that. Uh, yeah. That's a good point too because I don't use PHP my admin anymore now that we're using RDS. I use the, uh, the MySQL Workbench app and I just connect to it from there. Yeah. I have, I have SQL Pro. Cool. Yeah, Which that's I really like. yeah. I should look into the. I mean, the 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 SQL Workbench is fine. It's free, but I it's not. It's it's it. There's got to be better ones. Yeah, well, SQL Pro is free too, despite the the pro name. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like it a lot. I think it's Mac only. Cool, cool. That's that's that fine. Out. I only use a Mac, so. Right, right. So I I will definitely check that out. But I've been really happy with the 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 sort of architecture that we've migrated to and and you know lots of people have migrated to and it, it's like yeah uh, it really is like a much different feeling it's a lot more it feels like i mean yeah it and the reason we're talking about this is because they just went down right so i you this conversation could be screw amazon you know i'm gonna start hosting my own machines but like when i was hosting my own machines they went down too but when they went yeah. down, the, the whole thing was down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and you were just kind of out of luck. You know, yeah, you're just screwed. Whereas with Amazon, if one of, them go, one of them goes down, okay, you just fire up an instance somewhere else. And meanwhile, Amazon's working on it. Yeah, and you I know? don't have to deal with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to yeah, just come back up. I'm, I'm really curious or excited, I guess excited to see how it's going to be once we get the server behind a load balancer. Because then it's just automatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you made a good point in the email about you know it shouldn't be a problem, but you know you wanted to point out that this also means that we're automating potentially increased cost because yes, if the if the if the you know if traffic spikes, you know then Dep- depending on how we have the load balancer configured, but then again, what's the point of having it if you're not going to utilize that? So. Yeah, and assuming that you're making, you know, if traffic spikes and assuming that you've got, a, a, it's a commerce style website that, you know, means you're making more money, you want it to, to spin up like that so that right. you, you know, you're just going to, you'd rather do that than send away customers, right? Right, right. But you but it, you do potentially automate some of that increase of cost. Right. <laughs> so, and, but, you know, you can set alerts for all of that yeah. stuff. And you it's just Set amazing. alerts and limits. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's so, I, I feel like, um, it just feels like, uh, you've like, like weight is off my shoulders kind of like when, when I think about it, cause I just moved off this GoDaddy server and like nobody yeah. was ma- managing the server, but me, that was it, yeah. you know, and, and, and things went wrong with it. Um, and then finally I got hacked and I was like, okay, that's it. I'm out of here. And, uh, it moved over and it's just so much better. And even it's so just so funny that it went down in like the first month that I, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, this is so much better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. But it's, it just is. So it's funny. I know, I know I'm going to get everything set up and it'll be all automated failovers and all this stuff. And I'd be like, okay, now something can break. <laughs> I want to see it work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. I don't think my client would, would share my enthusiasm. But. Exactly. I can't break it. God damn it. I know. Piss off anonymous. <laughs> so, um, so the, it's interesting. We, we mentioned, uh, 
Markdown. We're talking about blogging with Markdown, and you just informed me that uh, Jeff Atwood is well. What's what's the story there? Um, I I, I read a blog his blog post. I, it's kind of just an open letter to uh, John Gruber and just the community at large. Uh, he wants to create um, an official spec for Markdown and clean up some of the some of the implementation and write some you know some test cases that can be used. Because um, you know his his point is, and he makes a good point, is that so many people have taken Markdown, you know, to to use and do things. And we're talking big sites have done this too, like you know, like Stack Overflow, Hacker News, Reddit. Mm-hmm. You know, but they've they've all kind of customized it a little bit here and there to meet their own specific mm-hmm. needs. And yeah, so GitHub. it's kind of in GitHub, yeah. And so it's kind of you know, it's kind of gotten fragmented. Mm-hmm. And. It's a it's a it's a great markup little markup language, and I, I think it's just just a des- desire to get some official spec behind it, and kind of yeah, you know, kind of bring everybody together and get some uniform formatting to it. Yeah, I love this. I love this idea, and it it feeds into our our overall you know building apps that run everywhere thing because content getting your content. Um, sort of output agnostic is critical. It's like, it's like the more I think about it, the more I think it's like the only thing you should worry about, uh, <laughs> of the, of the three big things. And, and to me, that's like the more, just the more I think about it, I'm like that, that's the critical piece. And that, if you do that's that, the key. Yeah. If you do that, everything else will work itself out. Yeah. So that's like the golden rule. And, and, you know, I know we've had long conversations about this before, so I won't like rehash all that, but in a nutshell, it's like, Markdown is a killer human readable format that is also easily transformable into like all sorts of other formats. What's that uh, uh, Pandoc? There's this little Pandoc application. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a little command line tool, I guess, that just convert it into everything. It just you do whatever you want with it: PDFs, uh, HTML, whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. So I've, great. I've personally used it to output HTML and to generate PDF files and to generate XML files and to make. Yeah, all kinds of things. Yeah. And you've always got this out, which is that you can also, it's perfectly valid to include HTML in a Markdown file. So if there's something that you need to do that Markdown doesn't support, just write a little bit of HTML. And uh, so you, it has that flexibility, but in general, you you just really, you know, you never really need to do that. It's kind of like um, it, it, uh, it's great for basic written communication like the formatting right. that you need for basic written communication it's just great yeah i'm i wish i could use it in my email wish i could use it in gmail <laughs> yeah wouldn't that be awesome yeah it would be yeah i should check google labs and see if there's some kind of plugin for it there may be yeah maybe i mean that's what i i write my most of my emails i write basically in markdown yeah it, it just doesn't translate it you know right. it's like it's just plain text and that's the beauty yeah, of markdown. I'll, I'll get things from me like oh this is written in markdown <laughs> It's like how I think when I'm writing. Yeah, I do that now too. I find that I do it all the time. Yeah, I never, I didn't take to like textiles. Another one that's kind of similar. I never took to it. Um, Markdown. I don't know. It just clicked with me. Yeah. So kudos to John Gruber. Maybe he's 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 already big time, but maybe he's going to go more big time and be like he'll be the god of like the what is it IETF spec for? You know, he'll be immortalized in uh, some spec document somewhere yeah. for creating Markdown. So that that's really cool. Um, yeah, it, I'm kind of it's kind of surprising that Markdown didn't come before HTML. Yeah, totally. 
you know, I mean, I guess or something like it. Bullets came before, but it's like it's like when did I wonder when bullets came around? Is that a Microsoft Word thing? That, please, God, tell me that there was there were bullets before Word. There must have been, but it, like if, bulleted lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely there were. There must have been, right? Like, but still, <laughs> it just seems it seems like such a Word feature. <laughs> Maybe it's a Word perfect feature. Nice. Word Star. That was the one that we had on my IBM PC in 1981, I think it was. Yeah, I had something called Word Writer. It was a like a DOS-based thing. Oh wait, wait. You know what? I might have a, I might I might have that beat. The the very first one we had was called Zyrite. I think it was X Y W R Y T or something. It was all like <laughs> slashy letters. You know, and it came on a big honking floppy disk, and you could only write two letters on it because then the disk was full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the I think I do think that um, that <laughs> content cleaning up, you know, creating smart content and cleaning your your CMS so that it really is layout or sorry, output agnostic, not polluted with layout information. Super critical. I think Markdown is the obvious choice for many, many things. Uh, and you know, there will be for edge cases where you've got like where you want to use something more heavy duty, like DocBook or some kind of scientific scientific grammar of XML or something. But yeah, uh, uh, I don't think it, it's not HTML. And that, I'll, like I'll, for you know, for ninety percent of the content on the web, which is you know, just written paragraphs of text. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's HTML is not it. I'll argue that to the end. You could theoretically put HTML in, in the CMS and use that as your as your de facto format and just make it like XHTML and make it well formed and everything. But it ain't gonna happen. Like people won't do it. Yeah. And no. uh, and it, the validators aren't strong enough, so it's 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 not gonna be HTML. I'll, uh, you know, that would bring tears if if you if you pick HTML as your content storage format, you're gonna be sorry. <laughs> So, so that was a that was a really fun little revelation. That's a good idea. I'm surprised someone hasn't thought of it before. Actually, yeah, me too. You know, the more I think about it, the more I like the idea. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, there are a couple of things like, um, I use, I use on Happy Docs. Um, it's it's a, a Ruby gem. It's called Cram Down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and um, it, it adds a couple of things to Markdown, but you know, that's just it. Every Markdown processor seems to add something to it. Right. And, yeah. And there's, got... there's not really any standardization there. Like one will do table. One will let you. Oh, we'll let you add tables, but you do it this way. And then the other one is. Oh, you can add tables, but you do it that way. Yeah. So. I've in TextMate the the Markdown bundle includes multi Markdown, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh. You know, every every like once in a blue moon, I'll feel limited by the markdown syntax, and I'm like, oh, let's look at mark multi markdown, and I like go to the web page, and like 30 minutes later, I close the site, and I go, I'm not doing that. I'll, yeah. I'll just change my, I'll just change what I was going to write. <laughs> it's easier to do that. About about the only thing I miss in markdown is sometimes it it would be nice to have a, a nice easy way to display some tabular data. Yep, that's definitely um, that's uh, that doesn't happen to me very often, but I can see that that would happen to a lot of people. And the other thing is uh, is 
The other thing that from a, from a, a content standpoint, it's like, what do we do about inline images? Like, right. There's a syntax for that in Markdown, but it's like, but what do we do about it? I don't, yeah. it, it would be cool if there was like a figure syntax where you could, um, I don't know. But then as soon as I start saying that, I'm like, uh, you're complicating it. Yeah. Dear listener, I ask you, and the next time you're surfing around and, and catching up on your uh, blog feeds, take note of how many uh, blog posts you go to that have this sort of gratuitous, gigantic image at the top that has very, very little to do with the article. It doesn't add any humor or interest or anything. They just have to, like this, the CMS is set up or the, the web publishing engine is set up so that there's supposed to be an image at the top of the post and editorially, you have to put an image at the top of the post. But start noticing as you as you go around how many of them put these sort of pointless images at the top of the blog blog post. I could name names, but I won't. Oh, there's, it's so it's yeah. so tedious, and and we're talking about like, you know, blogs that should know better. Let's just say, and the, and the image is right there on the mobile site. They don't like do anything about it on the mobile yeah. site. And the, so you know what I'm getting at is like. Is like there's a difference between important inline images that are that that are like, you know, in a book. Like I'm working on a book, and you know, you've got you need screenshots, and you put captions under them, and it's like a part of the content. And you know, the, what I'm getting at with the inline images thing is probably the best thing to do would just be get rid of a bunch of them. Yeah, like informational versus decorative. Yeah, get rid of them and put it in the CSS if you really yeah. want to. Like it becomes an accessibility issue. It's it's not a not only just a matter of now it's it's more you have to download. It's stuff that has to be filtered out by your screen reader. It's you know. It's stuff that pushes pushes your text content off of the screen of the phone. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it you know things get awkward when you go to. Like I've had that happen before too. I've gone to zoom in, zoom the text in on something, and you know when I get it zoomed into a size that's large enough to read, you know, the image will be so big or it'll be so squashed up right next to the image that I'll have. You know, I'll be able to get like three letters on a line until yeah. you get down past the image. Totally. That's my favorite. It's, those are the, all the, like I, I follow like a fair number of sort of enterprise business blogs because I have to. And, and they're mm -hmm. just the worst at that. They're, they just float that in. They got to float that thumbnail in the first paragraph. Yeah. They just have to. Yeah. And, and you end up with the, and you got so many ads in the sidebar and things flying all over the place. And you end up with like you know, you can't fit two words next to each other next to that first image. And then you put it on a phone and it just looks like, it's like, come on, you guys, seriously. Yeah. Has anybody looked at your site in, in t yeah. 10 years? Yeah. And like your article content is 400 pixels wide <laughs> yeah. on your, on your 1140 layout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't want to get too ranty about that, but, uh, but people who argue about the limitations of Markdown, you know, it, it's like, uh, it kind of reminds me of the, the CDs, like in the '90s, when CD—I mm -hmm. think it was the '90s when this compact disc. Uh, yeah, for the for the younger dear listeners, that's like a it's like an audio storage format you used to carry around with you, yeah. like and the shiny. The, yeah, on your yeah. sun visor of your car, there'd be like twenty-five of them. Yeah, I threw away a discman the other day when really? I was cleaning out the office. I had a Sony discman. <laughs> nice on the shelf, and I I tossed it. Mm. So, well, this, so the thing is that that format changed music, changed the way music was, was composed and recorded and, and written. I mean, it just changed music because the music 
certain kinds of music sounded better on CDs than other kinds of music. And that gave rise to, you know, that gave an advantage to certain kinds of music. And, I never thought about that. Oh, it totally happened. Yeah. Like, like, um, uh, because the format, the, the, it's very low resolution. It's very, it's not a good format in terms of, uh, uh audio quality, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's really great format in terms of durability, uh, and compared to the other things that were around at the time. Right. Uh, it was great in terms of durability. Uh, it's extremely portable. They were convenient as, as anything. And, you know, so, oh, yeah. So what if this song doesn't sound as good? And, uh, uh, but you know, it ended up, it ended up affecting, like you go into the recording studio and you'd be like, oh, you know, you record your stuff and you'd have it on this like massively high resolution digital board. You'd have it on analog, big fat analog, uh, you know, magnetic tape that was like three inches wide. Yeah. And then you mix it down to a CD and all of a sudden you'd be like, where'd all the, where'd all the subtlety go? Where'd all the, where'd all the notes go? Oh, that's a shame. What happened? You know, and that's sad. And be like, that's what CDs sound like, dude. Go listen to your CDs, and you listen to your CDs, and you're like, oh wow, yeah, all the symbols sound the same on every single one because all of the, you know, it's basically. Imagine JPEG compression. Imagine if everything was heavily yeah. JPEG compressed. It's the same thing. Yeah, that makes me sad. Oh, it's awful. But guess what? MP3s aren't any better. No. <laughs> so, so what ended up happening was people start, stopped worrying about subtleties in lots of music, and because it, it was just easier to make everything max, you, you could easily max the levels of everything and and cut it off right at the point where you needed to, and that's why you end up with like somebody like, well, everybody in pop, you know, basically like yeah. K- Katy Perry is a great example, and I and I Katy Perry is like a guilty pleasure for me, so <laughs> I'm not ragging on Katy Perry. I freaking love her. I love those tunes, but uh, but the music is like. You know, compare that to like a jazz quartet. Oh yeah, there's no air in it. It's just completely wall to wall sound. There's no room for for subtlety for going out loud. I mean, she's yeah. got she's got like cupcakes on her bra. I I listen to a lot of jazz, and now you're making me want to go out and I don't know buy a record player or something. That's why people do it. That's why that's why record players are still around. Yeah, it's true. You can you can get high quality MP3s now. That is nice. Yeah. Um. What is it? Aug, or I guess it's I guess it's flack. Are there, they are they any better? There are lossless lossless formats, mm-hmm. um, but not on CDs. Like CDs yeah. are set up in a particular way. There there were two quality levels, but they were I think both. I don't think they ever. I don't think the higher level one caught on. I don't know if like laser disc had something to do with it. It's it got it got weird. But the format that caught like, on was the, the Blu-ray of CDs. Yeah, there was a higher quality one that people were trying to advocate but nobody cares i've I've never heard of it so yeah they just want to listen to firework leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) california girls or whatever so geez how do we get on that oh the point the point (laughs) the point of that is that i think that if we if markdown becomes the way that people write it will affect writing style that that's what that was that whole story (laughs) that's what that whole story was about Sorry about that, but that was what I was building my way up to, is that if, if we start writing in Markdown uh, and that becomes the de facto way that people create content and that's the format, then it will affect what we write. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's late. <laughs> it is late. It is late. And, and there's a critical difference between this and the last late night thing is that I am totally out of beer. Yeah, I can tell. Oh, <laughs> it shows. It's awful. <laughs> It's awful. And I haven't slept more than four hours a night all week. 
yeah it sounds like you've had a really long week <laughs> we both did i almost I've, I've barely gone more than four hours without injuring myself all week <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i don't know if you want to bring up your uh your imp self-immolation <laughs> I'm, I'm a walking scab <laughs> <laughs> title <laughs> ew oh sorry my God. so yeah so i so Fortunately, this isn't a video podcast because I have seen pictures <laughs> of this and it's not pretty. No, it, it got worse before it started getting better, too. Yeah, thank you for sparing me that. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say third degree burns are not fun. Yeah, I knew when you told me that you were bleeding on your keyboard that I didn't want to see another photo. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for the kids in the audience, uh, the soft part of your hand between the thumb and forefinger doesn't mix with the heating element of an oven. No, no, especially not when it's cranked up to 450 degrees. Yeah. Were we making pizza or something? Yeah, I was making pizza in the toaster oven, and I was reaching in to get it out, and I didn't have an oven mitt on because I'm an idiot. And the bottom of my hand, like, just barely touched the oven rack. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's hot. And so I jerked, mm -hmm. and instead of, like, getting my hand out of the oven, I went straight up into uh, the heating element. Oh, God. Yeah. You could just hear it going. Yeah. Oh, I hate that story. Ugh. <laughs> Sh should that be our segue into Rails Rumble? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Insult to injury. <laughs> There's actually some good news about the Rails Rumble. Bring up the fact that I didn't win. Exactly. <laughs> anything. But. Not that I, I didn't really expect to. I, yeah, I wasn't doing it to win things. If I win something great, I mostly did it just because it's fun to do. That I, I totally understand. And, Except and, for that point where it wasn't. <laughs> but, well, you have to go through the valley of death. I mean, come on. Yeah, and then you and then you pass out and sleep for like three hours and, and get up and everything's fine again. Yeah. Yeah, but the, so the good news is, though. So, okay, so <clears throat> if you didn't hear the episode, Kelly entered the Rails Rumble, which is an annual competition where people basically stay up for 48 hours and build something with the Rails or Rails-like technology. And, you know, it gets voted on and there's all these, it's like a fairly big competition. There's like a couple hundred people, teams in it, right? Uh, yeah, I think they had 500 teams register. And then by the time it was all done, uh, there were just over 300 that qualified for, you know, actually being complete and, mm -hmm. and you know, finished things eligible for judging. Right. And most of them were teams, right? You, you did it solo. Yeah. Yeah, there were anywhere from teams of anywhere from one to four people. So. Mm. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so Kelly made this app called Moodly that it's kind of like Twitter for your feelings, and you get this little smiley slider, and you can basically just it, it invites you to to share with the world how you're feeling at any given time. You can have followers, and they can keep up with how you're feeling, and it's cool because it's okay to it. It's it's I I feel better about uh, kind of being in a bad mood on. Moodly than I would on Twitter or Facebook. I would never do it there, but, but right, Moodly's it, asking for it. It's just for. like no one wants to hear you whine, whine but that's right. what Moodly's for. Yeah, that be that should be the subtitle. On Moodly, we do want to hear you whine. <laughs> so, so, but the good news is that is it sounds like you're going to keep it up. Is that true? Yes, yes. That's awesome. So that's one really nice thing. I was I wasn't sure at first because the original the original idea for the site wasn't really mine. It was kind of kind of a little idea that Wyatt had, and I wanted to check with him first to make sure he was cool with it before I decided to leave it up. 
Yeah. So, and he was cool with it. So that was good. Yeah. And so that's nice. And the other thing is that there were some bugs in it that I know you're super frustrated to not to be able to get to, but now that the judging is over, presumably you can, can or have already done that. Yes, I have. In fact, I, in fact, I had them ready to go as soon as the judging was over. I just pushed the code and and that was that. (laughs) Sweet. Cool. So that's cool. And then the, the third good news thing was that, um, I don't know if you want to tell the story about your doctor friend. But uh, I thought that was really cool. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I had. Um, I don't know if anything's going to come of it or not. But I actually had um, uh, a friend of mine who she works in the in the mental health industry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, that came out Sounds all wrong. Funny, huh? <laughs> it's not an industry. Mental health discipline. She's a she's a doctor, and I I, I don't really. Well, I I say she's a doctor. I don't know. She may just be a. I don't know if she's a psychologist or an actual outright psychiatrist. It hasn't really come up. She's one of my imaginary internet friends. <laughs> but um, ask her you if know, she, she can write had, prescriptions. Yeah, you know, I don't know if she can. I need to find this out. Yeah. Well, come on. Got to get with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'll make an app for that. Valium me. <laughs> yeah, Valium me. Um. Anyway, she had had said that she would, you know, just kind of throwing it out there that, oh, it would be nice if there was a a version of this that was kind of more private with maybe, you know, didn't have the social aspects, but then maybe just had some kind of administrative interface where you could log in and, and view everyone's updates mm. and, and then have like an iPhone or an Android app for it. And she's like, I would totally use that with my patients. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Yeah, just the just the statistical data over time. Yeah, it's such a killer use case, and it's even it's even. Um, and when you, your mind, my head is just exploding with ideas that you could uh, that would help you with. Like, I don't know if it could go so far as to say clinical research, but certainly for managing your patient's care, and in a way that was just really easy for them to comply with, really easy for you to act upon, and something that you could set up all sorts of automated alerts in both directions. Yeah. Um, that to just keep it uh, top of mind. It just. It's great. I love that. So I just think that's the coolest. Yeah, I think it has some interesting implementations, sort of in a in a, a private version of it. And I, uh, one of the one of the features I want to add most is some more robust statistics, hmm. because you know, really, I only had forty eight hours, so I had to be very minimal in the statistics I generated and in how I presented them. Mm-hmm but I'd like to do a lot more robust sort of analytical type work on those, on the, on the numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I would like, if I was going to request a feature, it'd be SMS notifications for, for yeah. when I haven't updated in like a day. Yeah, definitely. That definitely. Awesome. That's another, that's another big one. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's funny. I think it, I think the project was very therapeutic for me because I find now the better my mood, the less often I update Moodly. So I think maybe I just needed an outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it is funny. Like uh, it when I, I think generally I'm in a good mood. So when something happens where I'm not in a good mood, I think I gotta update Moodly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I would like to. I would. That's why I want the reminder because when I'm in a good mood, I don't think to do it. Yeah, and it'd be nice to say at least once a day that you know I'm still in a good mood because you know maybe maybe I updated at noon yesterday that I was in a good mood. Well, if my mood hasn't changed since then, I'm probably not gonna update again. Exactly. Yeah, you think to update it when it changes from one extreme to the other, and it's, yeah. if you're if you're fairly at one end of the spectrum, or if you're just fairly stable, then you're never gonna use it. Yeah, it's like I may have had same. a 
like I may have had a frustrating phone call and I may post it uh, frustrated, mm-hmm. but 30 minutes later I may be fine again and, and then just not think to, to do it, you know? Yep. Yep. So that's, that, uh, I look forward to, to seeing, hearing more about that. Cause I think it's super cool. And I especially love the SMS feature. Um, yeah. It's I that would that's the way I would use it one hundred percent of the time. It's just so fun to text emoticons to it. Yeah, I know. I love it. It's so cool. So and and it's funny because I still we haven't talked about this in a long time, but uh, the um, Valio SMS is still the way that I use that site. It's like I never yeah. use the site anymore. The only time I ever use it is in training classes because I use it to demonstrate stuff. Right. It's about the only time I use the actual web interface. And, uh, um, I just, there's something about having an SMS, even though I know it's a robot, it feels like a conversation. (laughs) It feels like a two way thing, but when I'm using a web interface, it feels like I'm, you know, I picked up a hammer, you know, it's just like this dead thing. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. I want to, I want to make moodly SMS responses a little more, I guess a little more dynamic. If you, if you text that you're sad instead of just going, you know, say, okay, that, that's that been updated. You know, maybe you get some kind of little, oh, sorry to hear that. Or you know. It should send you a joke. Yeah. <laughs> if you're sad, it sends you a joke. Yeah, like a riddle or something. Yeah. Here's a joke to cheer you up. Right, or just like a nice story, just like a random thing. Yeah. Uh, that would be, so, it's just so cool. I just, but now it is, actually, that does kind of verge into creepy zone for me because it's like <laughs> yeah. my my friend Moodley always picks up my spirits. <laughs> yeah, that is a little creepy. Yeah. It does sound addictive, though. Yeah. So I don't know. I I love this. I think it's so cool. I need a, I need an artificial intelligence on Moodly. <laughs> it can respond to you. Yeah. I mean, please. I don't get me going. I mean, I could see you just hire like hire just like all these unemployed people in the country. Just hire like unemployed like actors. You put it on like Mechanical Turk. Exactly. Yeah. Just be like, oh, what's wrong? Like for an actual person. Yeah. You know, not even like actual person SMSing you if it gets like if your mood is down too long, you know, and the and the automated jokes aren't helping, then, you know, you actually get escalated to a human being. Yeah. It's like, like, are you OK? Do we need to call a doctor? Right. It's, you know, it knows your GPS location, you know, whatever. It's Good Samaritans gets called. It's just I don't know. I, I, I my head. It's funny because it's such a it seems like. You know, you could see like, you could do that on Twitter. Like, what? It's you know? kind of it's kind of Big Brotherish. Yeah, but well, like, everything but like is now well intentioned. Right, right. I mean, you made a point early on, not to go on about Moodly forever, but you you made a point early on about how, you know, when you know you've got, you know, you know somebody's in a, going through a hard time, you don't want to keep bugging them, but you also want to know how they're doing. And right, you know if. If you if you knew the system was automatically if you weren't bugging them, but they were a, a user and you knew the system was bugging them, <laughs> then maybe they would you know update and at least just keep people up to date. And that in conjunction with the fact that it doesn't, you know, that it's okay to be in a bad mood on this site, it's like kind of yeah. expected. Then I think those two things would, you know, kind of reduce the friction and and actually make that happen. Yeah. It'd be really, a really interesting little experiment. Yeah. But so, did I just mention hammers? Because <laughs> yes, because we've got some tool conversation to talk about. Oh, do we? Yeah. How's that for a segue? 
Oh, that, yeah, that's pretty good. I thought we were going to get into the smart hammers again, <laughs> but I think we've I think we've beaten that one many times now. Yeah, I'm segueing from emotional Twitter for your feelings to uh, tools. Yes. So, so I'm sure I mentioned that I've been using Centa Architect because I'm working on a uh, a uh, that working on the prototype, the actual functional prototype for um, that application we uh, mocked up uh, probably a month or two ago. And it's got over 100 screens, there's a lot to do, and it's not, I wasn't going to code it by hand, and, you know, it, it's a lot to it. It's going to be a, a, a basically a PhoneGap-style iPad application. Mm-hmm. So Sencha Touch was an obvious choice for it, and um, I've done things with Sencha Touch, but nothing, nothing on this level. This is a big, huge application. Yes. And... Uh, you know, so I was like, well, I'm definitely going to use Sencha Touch for this. So uh, let me look into, you know, they released recently released Sencha Architect, which is like a sort of a WYSIWYG IDE. And I've been uh, using that for, I guess, two or three weeks now. Well, it must be two weeks now because I'm halfway through my trial period. <laughs> and uh, and I, I have this to say about Sencha Architect. Having used it for two weeks, I now know that I will never use it for work but it it taught me how to write complex code essentially touch code by hand interesting yeah because i would i would make a piece of an interface and it just it writes the most immaculate source code it's immaculate and you go in there and look at the files and you're like oh that's how you should set up this or that and then you can go to the docs and like maybe watch a video or something and then, uh, you know, go back to the thing. And then all of a sudden I got to this point where the, having to go through the interface was frustrating me and I just wanted to go to the text files. Where it just all clicked. Yeah, all of a sudden I was like, okay, I, I you know, because it's one thing to just build a single page application with Central Touch, But if you're building like, you know, a hundred screen application, you can't just load that whole thing into the DOM. You need to like or- <laughs> organize it. You really have to embrace MVC. You have to embrace reuse and be creating like, reusable components and custom components yes and this particular app has a lot of reusable components tons right because there's there are four different types of user who use the system and each of them has different screens and workflows but there's a lot of reusable widgets but they're not cut it's not standard widgets so so there was a in in central touch has a wicked bad learning curve and in fact that's the that's yeah the the big thing against using central touch is the learning curve is brutal um it's brilliant, and when you make stuff with it, it's just really, really nice stuff. But the learning curve stinks. It's like it's like learning Objective C. It's that bad. So, <clears throat> so no offense to my friends there, because I do think it's awesome. But and I'm using it. Um, yeah. But but uh, Centa Architect really it taught me how to write really complicated. Um, uh, you know how to organize the code for a really complicated application. And then that's as, cool. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as it clicked, I was like, oh, sweet. You know, because you kind of have to learn, you're learning a whole bunch of things at once because, you know, you're learning XJS, and if you're a jQuery person, it's very different. Yes, uh, it is. I took a look at, at XJS a couple of weeks ago, and it was just, I, I just, I couldn't get my head around it. I mean, I'm sure if I'd, if I'd spent more time on it or if I'd started from the beginning rather than trying to dive into the middle of a, a production application, mm. it would have been easier, but... Just it just there's a you know a, a very steep learning curve. Yeah, yeah, and it's not in my experience. There's not a lot of 
there's not a lot of you you can't really gain much by saying something like xjs for jquery developers and like look yeah. around for a, a translator basically because it's just different you know yeah it, yeah there's it's not like a direct translation or anything i mean i mean i don't just do jquery i mean my my just just plain plain vanilla javascript is you know it's it's good it's solid i understand it hmm. but this is just you know it, it just the way the way it all comes together in in xtjs is just you know it's it's different yeah you really have to you have to know the framework like you have to understand yeah. it you can't just like be because if you start writing just you just start throwing in patches of random regular javascript you're kind of like fighting the thing the whole time exactly exactly yeah so you just have to embrace it and learn it and it, it's i mean it is like xjs and cincha touch are like i mean the documentation is just endless it's it's so so huge um which is not a bad thing it's just it just does a million things it reminds me of java you know what i mean does, it does, does everything yeah does cincha offer any kind of training Oh yeah, mm-hmm. mm. sure, and that's probably that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, but you know, whatever. So the, so the the cool thing was uh, Sentia Architect uh, was that it was training wheelsy enough for me to um, to to generate enough complicated code for me to be like, oh, you know, I just it would it'd be easier for me to just edit these files directly, and then all of a sudden I realized that I had crossed the I <laughs> crossed a, a line. I've crossed a line, yeah. Yeah. Because there are, because like the interface is, it's it's really well done. I'll give them that. And there's like, a, you know, as you hover over like anything in the whole interface, there's like a help question mark. So you mm -hmm. can hover over it and it'll give you like a summary of the component or whatever you're hovering over. And then uh, a link to click on into the full documentation, which is a little bit intimidating because there's so much documentation. And, uh, but it's great because, um, it's, it's much more useful because you're coming from a problem. So you're, you're in the, you're in the builder, in the architect thing. And you're like, I'm trying to do this particular thing and I have a, and it's not, you know, like you can't figure out how to get this card layout working or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so you're in context of the issue and, and someone who knew the context that someone in the future would be in at that point knew what they'd need help with put a little question mark there yeah <laughs> took you to the exact thing that you needed which is a lot different than searching around their documentation for what you think might solve your problem right right so uh, so if if their goal was to get people hooked on sentia touch then architect is great at that because it does get you over that hump or at least got me over that hump yeah and uh and once you get how the framework works at a really high level and you really truly embrace the model view controller like i don't think i've ever understood model view controller better than uh, the way that that than from watching the way it works inside sentia touch yeah client side mvc to me still seems a little feels a little awkward yeah but... no they nailed it i i feel like they mm. nailed it it's nailed like I, i'm like because you're right because i felt the same way it's like kind of half-assed and you're still like putting logic all over the place yeah. And, you know, I haven't taken a hard look at Ember but or Backbone, but every time I look at it, I'm like, nah, this is all, this is still pretty low level. You know, it, like any any app that I would build with this, I could just hand code. Like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't use Backbone for like a monster app. Yeah. It's like, a, 
I hate to say I didn't see the point of Backbone, but I kind of don't see the point of Backbone. Yeah. And maybe there's something about it that I'm just not grasping, but to me it just seems, and, you know, I don't know, the implementation just isn't, you know, it's, it, it just isn't there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, why, not, why am I learning this? Why I could have just written this already. Yeah. So there's that, but but you but the the thing that I would have written would be more procedural and not as as like slick. But who cares? Yeah, it's like really easy to read and it's a simple application. So who cares? Yeah. But with this this application we're talking about, if I did that, <laughs> you'd be I would be <laughs> it would be like the it would be in the world the Hall of Fame all time worst written application ever if I tried <laughs> to do that. It would be unmaintainable. And you'd be writing it until 2014. Yeah, I just never. It wouldn't happen. It would be. De- yeah. It would be impossible to debug. And and Backbone's not going to solve that problem for me because it's not. I just don't think that it's 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 not like, I hate to say like enterprise grade because that's kind of a silly thing to say. It's just not. It's not meant for that. You know, I don't think it's meant yeah. for like this huge project with all these different modules and stuff. So no, I think it, I think it falls kind of somewhere in between. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's probably good for someone who's just using like crazy jQuery all over the place for everything. Mm-hmm. It gives you a little bit more organization. But if you're if you're already like I'm one of those, I, I pretty much attach all my event listeners to the document, you know, to the body of the document, and just like it's and it's kind of like a controller. It's really not, but it's kind of like that in the sense that all of my user interface elements are just emitting events. And I'm listening to them from the top. And then I just have this like huge branching structure that's like, okay, what just happened? Uh, a particular button in a particular situation got clicked by this particular user. What, do, what mm-hmm. am I going to do? And it's not really like, uh, it's not like you wouldn't consider it like a controller from a code organization standpoint because it's basically like a long branching function. Yeah. Uh, which is not the way you'd normally set that up. You'd have different, normally you'd have like different modules or different different controller files for different areas of the application and stuff but uh but it's kind of the same concept so when i look at backbone i'm like well yeah you know like it's cool that it binds i I think backbone it might be ember i think backbone's the one that binds to the you bind it to a ui element so if you change something in the data model or in the data store then it updates the screen whatever you know it's just not that big a deal I i think ember does that too yeah, that's the. It's exciting and it demos really well. But how many times you really write an application that's as complicated as like Facebook or Dig or something, and you have to like update, you know, or Twitter even, where you have to update the same piece of data in like forty-five places in the interface. Yeah, I'm just not doing it that often. So it's like, well, you know, okay, so I have to update it in two places. I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, why am I going to add like you know ten thousand lines of code so it'll happen automatically? But that said, with this particular application that has like a hundred screens, I do need to make sure because I won't I won't remember <laughs> yes. all the places. So, um, so you know, and it's it gets the the controllers are all broken up. It's really nice. It's I'm like wow, this is sweet because they have enough custom sort of like custom uh, you know Sencha code built on top of mm-hmm. regular JavaScript that you can that all of these components emit all of these custom events that you that you'd want to be there but you don't want to write so like a carousel if you when you when you scroll a carousel it throws off all these like carousel specific events that you can listen right. for right that's yeah. nice so so it's a proper uh, you know, a proper mvc client-side implementation where you've got the you know, it sounds like you've got some really good separation there and some you know 
some some good sort of encapsulation. Mm-hmm. Yep, very much. The views are really dumb, 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 very dumb views. Yeah. And which is what you want. You want the controller right. to have all the complaints. Views should be. Yeah. So so that that was more than we probably needed to say about it. But so Sensor Architect, I think, is a good thing. You should probably use it. Um, if you if you love it, then buy it. Uh, if you don't, then use it to learn Sensor Touch because Sensor Touch is definitely a really, really valuable framework to know. Um, but also in the tools department, um, I don't have a ton to report about this, but Zend announced, I think yesterday, the day before, that they have uh, a new, basically a new Zen Studio 10 is being released and Zen Studio is like their development environment mm-hmm. for uh, Zend, which is a PHP thing. Right. And I've used it in the past and it's pretty cool because it's it kind of looks like Eclipse. It's probably based on Eclipse and I believe it is based on Eclipse or Eclipse plugin, but it's cool because it has like all your database connections right there and it has some really powerful debugging stuff where you can turn on debugging on the server and actually see it in the client. It's like yeah. super yeah, cool. I've, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was, um, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the The one time I've used uh, Zen Studio, it was also in conjunction with having a Zen server. I think I probably still have Zen server configured on my on my iMac, but yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the Zen framework, mm. but I liked having the debugging, <clears throat> the debugging and profiling tools on the server and having that sort of integration with the editor. Yeah, and and also with the database. So like you could yeah. you load your database models right up in there. They're not really I guess models in that sense because you're doing like you're talking to the table, but it was all integrated. Like all the all the you know all the apps that I would have the Windows open that I would have when I was working on a PHP site back in the day we're all integrated in this one thing and they're all aware of each other and you could like drag and drop from one to the other and, and they would auto complete, you know, you could auto complete in your PHP code from the MySQL code, for example. So it was really good, but I'd never really caught on with me. It was, it was pretty cool, but, um, like you, I, I thought Zen framework was a little bit too verbose for my taste mm-hmm. and, uh, um, uh, you know, so it never really stuck with me, but whatever. But, uh, so then this thing comes along. That was years. This is like two two or three years ago when I saw that. So then this thing is announced and uh, it is, you know, they're super focused on mobile now, just like everyone else who has a brain in their head. And they um, they have this thing that this guy demos that's really impressive where you, you I, he didn't say how much server configuration you had it to do in the first place. But obviously if you had, you know, there was some, it was implied that he at least had some kind of LAMP server set up and he had a connection to it. So he's on his Mac, his little like laptop. He opens up the uh, the IDE and he starts with like a WYSIWYG interface and it's got, uh, it looked like, uh, it looked like jQuery Mobile was baked in to, in the jQuery Mobile widgets were baked into the interface. Mm-hmm. And you could drag and drop those into this center area and visually create an application and then on the right-hand side, the right-hand panel, as you were like clicked on a button or whatever, you'd be like, okay, this is going to be the, uh, it's going to be the create user form. So it'd be like a first name, last name, whatever, whatever, whatever and then a button, and then the button is going to trigger this action. And he goes over to the, he goes over to the right-hand panel, and he fills out that stuff. And he, he, I'm not going to be able to describe it very well. It's like a 10-minute video, but he essentially configures something on the button that creates a web service on the server. So, so instead of having to go and create an API first and get that all working, 
he creates a button on a mock-up of an interface and says, yeah, go ahead and create a web service for this. Interesting. Yeah, so it, it flips everything around the other way, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, it, it basically, the interface drives the creation of the API, which I think is a terrible way to build an API. <laughs> Let me just say, I think that's dumb. But I'll tell you, you could prototype so fast. Yeah, you could, you could. Because, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's going to be, your API is going to be needed for things that your interface doesn't do. Exactly. It's silly, but it would yeah. be killer for prototyping. It would be yeah, so Yeah, especially great. if you could click another button and generate it in, in uh, Sinatra, <laughs> <laughs> not PHP. Well, so that's the thing. I mean, like if you were building all of that stuff through the, the WYSIWYG interface, who cares like how yeah, complicated his end framework is? It doesn't matter. You're just writing. And he, you know, he was yeah. like basically setting up REST calls, you know, and, and you know, he's like post to per, you know, what's is basically asks you like, what do you want to call the model? Uh, let's call it people. I'm going to post to people from these two fields and it knew the two fields because they were right there and he just gave them names. And so obviously it's going to yeah. send those two things. And, and you know, there's all these other questions about like, well, you know, what about authentication? How would you do all that? But, but for prototyping, it would be brilliant, super cool, super cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that uh, I have not played with. I will definitely try it out just because I, 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 I dig stuff like that. And I'm always looking for better prototyping tools. So cool. Wow. Well, geez, we, we totally, totally talked tools all of a sudden. That was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, geez, I was surprised. I thought we weren't going to have enough stuff to talk about <laughs> as usual. Yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. That's what happens have, when you're both heads down coding for a week straight. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, well, I'm not going to have much to talk about because all I've been doing is coding. But. <laughs> <laughs> But since we're talking about coding, then... Talking about coding. And I didn't even mention Geek Tool. What's that? Uh, I don't know. Did I send you the screenshot the other night on my desktop on my, my MacBook Air? Uh, I don't think so. I think it did. I, I may have sent it to somebody else. And it's just a... It's a little... Like, little... Um, utility for the Mac that basically lets you... Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Now I remember. Like, it's it's mostly totally just for fun. Like, I could, I could see myself using it for some more important modeling type things. Yeah, but let you execute shell shell scripts and monitor files and things like that, and have them displayed as as widgets on your desktop. Yeah, I I love that, and so I I meant to I forgot to ask you like those were live widgets, right? You weren't just like passing yeah. around with screenshots. So there's things like the clock and all that other stuff on the on the desktop. And I do you remember Confabulator? Uh, vaguely. So Confabulator was the precursor to the. I think what's it called dashboard where you slide over on your Mac to the right hand side to the, you know slide everything to the mm-hmm. right and it goes to that is it called dashboard yeah dashboard widgets and uh, and so they they basically uh, acquired Confabulator and created dashboard widgets and uh, but they won't let you put them on the desktop yeah which is like so Apple they're like oh no no that would be too disgusting and ugly <laughs> if those are on the desktop they have to be have to be hidden in this area, so I never use them. Yeah, because I it, thought my I thought my implementation looked rather nice. Yeah, it looks like a like an Android phone. <laughs> so, I, so I I'm going to use that. Like I didn't I, as long as it doesn't affect the system performance, which sometimes is the problem with stuff like that. Well, I I found if you don't set the refresh rate like too disturbingly high, then it's it's not a problem. I mean, I mean obviously my clock widget updates every second, but. Mm. You know, it's like weather every 15 minutes. Like, who needs to know more often than that, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and really it's the weather one that I want because, 
I mean, let's face it. I work in a windowless box. Yeah. So having the, having even it's, this sounds so pathetic, but even having like a little sun on like widget on my desktop that I know is coming live from a weather feed <laughs> makes me feel like makes it's nice. Feel out. Better. Yeah, it does. It works. There's a, there's a, there's a moodly mod here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Webcam watching your face. <laughs> and just like doing facial recognition and updating your mood, yeah, like adjusting the lighting in the room accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just the happy light on John for an hour. Yeah, adjusting adjusting your IV drip. Yeah, IV drip of caffeine, and then the um, oh, that that light that you that they they use to treat uh, seasonal affective disorder. Exactly. Oh man, that reminds me. I I had a blog post that I I. I put up because now that I'm blogging like crazy <laughs> that, uh, that I should, we should really wrap. It's okay. I can't believe we're already like almost an hour and a half, but, I know. but, uh, this, this, we talked about it before and then I thought about it. So there are two things that, uh, two things that came up that, that <laughs> we should talk about. One of them we can save for next week, but, uh, it was, remember when you said you made Moodly and you, you, you basically returned either JSON or HTML from the API. Yeah. So I think yeah. I came up with, there's something about that that's been bugging me, and I think I came up with what it is. So we'll try and remember to talk about that next week. Oh, good, because I want to hear it. Yeah. And then the the other thing was that we were talking about, um, do you remember me mentioning, I said something to the effect of, you know, if, if you're, you know, if, when you do a response design and then you kind of like top out at 960 pixels, you're, you're kind of like, getting that you're still thinking about that canvas style like you're thinking yeah. you're kind of like not getting it you know and and yeah. obviously i understand that we're probably not going to view things on bigger screens and we were talking about like well what if it's on a billboard we've got these interact not interactive builder boards but digital billboards in, in our town and what if you're on the jumbotron ha 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 <laughs> so <clears throat> i so we get off we get off that call and then i couldn't stop thinking about it and i was like i wonder what resolution a digital billboard is so I, you know, I looked it up and you're probably going to guess what I'm about to say, but a, a digital billboard, which is 48 feet wide, has a far lower resolution than an iPhone. And That's crazy. Yeah, but it makes sense because you're not right up to it. Yeah. So what right. would be the point? But um, so then I was like, well, so what's the media query? Because the, the width is like 800 pixels wide. So, you know, like... Like, how do I distinguish that? And so I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, what, wait a second. Like, what's the difference here? You know, I've got my my uh, my Mac external Mac monitors, like one of those 21 and a half inch ones. Yeah. And then I've got like a, a 30 inch Google TV. They're roughly the same size. The TV's a little bit bigger, um, but they're roughly the same size. But I keep the resolution on my Mac monitor really small. You know, like the, the pixels are really small. So it's like, you know, I don't even know what the resolution is, but it's, it's enormous, you know, it's like probably, it's probably close to 3000 pixels wide. And, and my TV is like, you know, uh, not right. Yeah. You know, it's like so, 1080p. Yeah. So if, so the thing is, let me see what the resolution actually is. Oh no, not even close. It's, it's, I was way exaggerating. So it's, it's, uh, the highest resolution I can put it on is what it's on, which is 1680 by 1050. Mm -hmm. So if my sites on my, on my computer monitor and then if i had like you know it, it's actually the, the resolution is actually somewhat similar on my tv if it's 1080p it's like fairly close not yeah, quite but as the tv's big. bigger you could 
you could put more up there and see it better. Right. But I'm also 10 feet away from the TV and I'm two feet away from the monitor. Yeah. So I was like, we need a distance from the screen media query, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And then I was like, well, wait a second. While we're at it, we need an eyesight media query. Yeah, we need a visual acuity. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and then I was like. And also with a, with a has cataract option. (laughs) Right. So then as soon as you start thinking about this, you immediately go down this slippery slope of like, you know, ambient lighting and, you know, (laughs) distractions in the room and. And then I'll, in, you know, in about 30 seconds of thinking about it, you're like, oh, it should just be under the user's control. Yeah. You know, they should be able to set it however they want it. Like, why am I yeah. trying to figure out their environment? They know their environment and they need, they know they need to zoom it in for crying out loud. So let them zoom the damn thing in. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I just thought that was funny. But then, but then the issue is like, well, okay, who, who gets the remote control for the Jumbotron? You know, like yeah. if there's a group watching the same screen, who gets to control the resolution? And so. yeah, In my house, that's me, but. Yes. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> But like in a cruise no, no ship. wait a minute. Do you mean you're not surprised because I can't see well, or is that some kind of commentary on my attitude? <laughs> uh, the former. Thank you. Yes. So, yeah, I would think that any anything that had to do with uh, uh, the visual realm was basically fell into your. Yes, I, I control, I control the screens. I control all the lighting in the room, and actually, it was it was funny because I, <laughs> I. I dimmed the lights in the office and turned on a lamp behind me. And it, it got to curious. I got to counting and I figured it up. I can set like 16 different distinct lighting conditions in this office. <laughs> wow. Depending on my mood and my needs. <laughs> That's hilarious. I've got overhead lighting and lamps everywhere. I had major lighting issues this week. <coughs> I had to do this. Let's wrap on this. Cause we really got to go. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But this week I had to do a, a, a private training for a big client. It wasn't really a client. It was like a, you know, big, big company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they had like, and they had like a training coordinator that it wasn't just like one of my normal trainings, like where people just, you know, pay me and, and I run the whole training. There's like a training coordinator and she was like, you know, you're, you're, this is the way we do things here. You know, it was like a typical corporate experience where they make you do things their way. And it was fine. It was a good learning experience. And there were like 22 people in the class, which was the biggest one I've taught, which is, was challenging to manage that many people. And, Mm -hmm. but so one of the things they was non-negotiable was that they wanted my webcam to be on the whole time Mm. so that, so that, you know, they're, they, she was really worried about engagement and people not being engaged. You need to keep the people engaged. And, you know, you can tell if they're, if the little red exclamation point shows up next to their name, it means they're not engaged. And <laughs> yeah. So like your, your basement is like Las Vegas. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like putting lamps all over the place and I'm trying to like, and the, this, the place is like, it's a finished basement, but you know, we didn't do it. It was done. When we got here and it really needs to be redone. And it's just me down here. So I've never, it's, it's, it's okay. I like it, but it doesn't look. It doesn't look good on camera. Let me tell you that. Yeah, yeah. There's no handrail on your steep stairs. Yes, that's true too. Uh, there's we don't have, we have a lot of places we need handrails around here. <laughs> but the the worst part is that the webcam on the laptop. You know, I stand at my desk and the webcam is right. like looking up, which is of course a terrible angle for a human being. But also, it it directly Let's... shows you the heating pipes on my ceiling. Oh. And the terrible job the previous owners did on the drop ceiling is just terrible. It's so it looks like it looks like I was abducted 
and <laughs> and like my one of my feet is chained to a pipe. You know what I mean? It's terrible. Yeah. I was like, why don't I just mess up my sh- my hair and wear a wife beater? You know, <laughs> yeah. like a torn shirt. So, I, but I I solved the problem, which was that I took my uh, I have an external you webcam went outside. Yeah, it, yeah. Please, I can't I can't leave my environment. <laughs> it's like I'm like the uh, it's like the wicked witch. Getting You're rain on. I'm melting. <laughs> so there, I had enough variables trying to teach this training class without like trying to do it upstairs. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I have this webcam that I, that is like adjustable on a gooseneck so I can point it at the phone on the desk so people can see what I'm doing on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on top of my filing cabinet. So it's way up. Like it's about s- like six inches from the ceiling and it's and like pointed it down. Yeah. Pointed it down like a surveillance camera. And all you can really see is my desk, which is the one thing that's clean and looks like <laughs> organized and like kind of cool. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is, this makes, this is, this is going to work. And I was like, I was, but of course it's like, I can't look, you're not seeing my, you're seeing me from like a weird surveillance camera angle. So I was like, <laughs> right. I was like, please God, please don't like the lady's going to be like, oh, could you, could you angle that to like more of your face? We need these people to be engaged. Uh, and, and they're not going to be engaged if they're staring at the top of your forehead, you know? <laughs> So thankfully she let it slide. And, uh, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I tried. Uh, believe me. She was like, she was like, and yo, no, you have to turn your webcam on. And I was like, I'm not prepared to do that. Yeah. She's like, oh, well, by the time the class comes around, you know, make sure you're ready. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> if I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, okay, I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> I, was like, I, have a, I have a hard enough time being heard, let alone seen. Yeah, so... There you have it. So that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye. Hello? Turn the recorder off. You hung up. <laughs> Wrong keyboard command. <laughs> what were you, sorry, what were you saying? I said no when you, um, when you said you looked like you were abducted. But- I once had a dream that I was abducted by a Tyrannosaurus Rex named Carl who kept referring to himself in the third person. <laughs> He'd lock me in this like rundown hotel room. <laughs> Come on, why didn't you record that? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not recording? Oh my god. That's so funny. No, no, I missed it. Oh, that is so funny. Carl is not pleased. <laughs> <laughs>